Welcome to China Manufacturing Decoded from Sophist, the podcast where we take you through the major news and topics facing importers and manufacturers in China and Asia today. Hi again, welcome back to the pods. It's China Manufacturing Decoded, episode one hundred four. I'm Adrian from the team, and I'm joined by our host and CEO Renault. Renault, hello. Hey, hello. Hi, everybody. Yeah, good to have you back again, Renault. And today I'll be picking your brain about the different levels of quality standards. And I mean, we've we've spoken about quality standards before in passing in several episodes, probably.、Um, there's different levels from kind of more basic to advanced, and I think you would agree this is an important thing to get right if you are、yes. manufacturing. Overseas. Without further ado, let's get into what quality standards are first, and then maybe you can take us through the different levels.、Mm-hmm. Sure. So, if you buy a product, well, let's say you buy a product from, you know, a store next to you, or, you know, on Amazon or something,、uh, the certain certain、um, characteristics of the product that you You assume are going to be there, all right? You know, and you're not going to go into documenting everything. You just assume. I don't know. You buy a a, a tablet、uh, on you know from a, a certain brand. You assume it's going to come. It's it's not going to be scratched. It's going to be well protected.、Uh, even the packing, maybe the, the all the packaging is going to look nice. It's going to turn up right away. It's not going to be any、uh, dead pixels or a button that will not respond or things like that. All right. Now that's more of、um, the way it works. If if you're a、um, an end customer or a consumer, now if you buy a batch of products that that corresponds to, to to a product, maybe that you designed and developed, or maybe that. Some other company designed and developed, and maybe they're selling it to you, and they're selling it to you maybe from. China or, or Vietnam or India or some place like that, and you definitely cannot make the same assumptions as when you, you buy it from your local store, right? And I, even on the local store, when I see a lot of things sold by directly by Chinese companies now on Amazon, I know, I know it's not the best, uh, the the the, the best、um, image because you have a lot of the same problems there, but. Uh, let's、mm. say you you go into a, a famous department store, all right? You you assume that they have made sure everything was all right, okay? Yeah. Now, if you buy products that are made in Asia, not by a, a, a famous brand, well, you get to actually work on documenting the standard or requesting what is the standard? Can I review it? You know. You you can't assume that it's going to be fine with ninety nine point five percent chance or something like that, right?、Uh, you you cannot keep things undocumented and tacit. You have to actually document them, because in these countries, and especially in China, if it's not documented, it doesn't count. It's like it doesn't、mm-hmm. exist. You cannot invoke it later to say, "Hey, but you messed up here." What do you mean you messed up? That's perfectly acceptable for our other customers, you know. And then how do you check that up?、Um, so 
to make sure that you can put pressure on the, the manufacturer and you can get back to them if they mess up. You actually need to have some kind of documented quality standard. And the quality standard um, is going to be used for for uh, two or three important parties. The first one, as I said, is the manufacturer. You need them to know what you expect. You need them to know what you can tolerate and what you cannot tolerate. Okay, mm-hmm. that's your standard. And you need to understand that the standard is independent of any commercial matter. Meaning that if they give you a lower price, the quality standard doesn't move down. It stays the same. Mm. This is a discussion, uh, you know, something we've had to explain so many times to so many suppliers. They think everything is um, is linked, right? I mean, especially in China, where it, it's called a high context culture, where you um, they always expect uh, the other party to take the whole con- the whole context into account. So if the price moves down, it's going to impact everything else, right? Because price is part of the context. The, the, the context when you discuss quality issues, but that it should be very clear that that's not the case. All right. So the first party I mentioned uh, is the the manufacturer. The quality standard is going to be very very important for them. The, the second thing, second party, well, is the people who will actually inspect quality, right? Um, they might be in your team, they might be in an inspection agency, whatever, but they need to know what is acceptable, what is not. Otherwise, how can they make an informed decision? How how can they tell the manufacturer, hey, this is not good, it doesn't pass, right? You need to rework, you need to reproduce, and then the manufacturer is going to say, why? No, I don't agree. This is perfectly okay. Yeah, it's not perfect, but you know, it cannot be perfect, blah, 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 because of the process and blah, 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 and because of this and because of that, blah, 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 right? It's always possible to come up with some kind of excuse. And they can always say, well, this this is perfectly acceptable based on our, you know, industry and documented standards and what our other customers tell us, you know, it's perfectly okay. You know, like, who are you to tell me it's not okay? <laughs> um, mm. And then the last thing if you purchase these products maybe you're going to sell them again maybe to business customers uh, or maybe to end customers and you need to actually show them you know what they can expect and the quality standard is, is you know i mean in some cases it doesn't really make sense but think of um, a lot of um, electrical home appliances electronics and so on or a lot of chemical products or you know you there are some basic specifications that you need to know, right? Mm. And if possible, with tolerances and, and, and so on, right? And then if you ensure that everything is aligned, you know, what the manufacturer makes, what you're going to get and what you're going to send to your customers, and all of these parties agree on the same standard, then there's not going to be any bickering, you know, any you know discussions or, mm. um, should I say, arguments, that hey this is this is not good i don't want that i expect more blah 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 right you really want everybody to be aligned okay so that that's what what the quality standard is and and really the 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 main purpose yeah makes makes a lot of sense and if you're listening to this and nodding along thinking yeah absolutely 
it might surprise you to hear, though, that not every uh, not every importer or buyer is is putting something like this into oh. place, right? Oh, that's that's so true. Yes, there's so many cases where people go to their manu- to, to a manufacturer and they don't document anything, and they think, oh, well, the manufacturer will know whatever. Then maybe the manufacturer makes a few samples they see, and then maybe they have to clarify, you know, oh no, this. I need that kind of, you know, that shade of gray or, or and I need that kind of uh, thing. You know, th- this packing is not good enough. You need to make it a little bit better, blah, 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 right? So they have to give feedback and that feedback, hopefully they keep it aside. They put it in a master document, um, put some photos along with it. You know, over time they build uh, some documentation, hopefully, right? But it it's a lot of... Um, Send me something and I will review it and I will give you feedback. Yeah, uh, which is not a, uh, a preventive um, uh, approach uh, and 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 is a bit how to say um, is is pretty likely that um, there's certain things you're gonna miss uh, some important criteria, important specifications that you will not cover there. But anyway, it's mm. uh, it's better than nothing. Uh, but we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later in the in the episode, mm. and then they have a, they involve an inspector, you know, and you'd be amazed how many times a a, a company contacts us. Hey, can you help me? You know, go and inspect the products. Okay, here's the product information. Here's what's important to us. Here's the contact information of the supplier. And so, okay, we we go. We do the inspection, send them a report, and they come back to us and say, well, oh, yeah, right, I forgot to update, you know. Uh, this actually is okay. I already told the, cust- the, the manufacturer. Oh, and this one, um, oh, what, what do you think? Is it acceptable or not? You know? uh. And I say, well, we flagged it for you to consider, you know, whether accept- it's acceptable for your market or not. We're not going to tell you if it's acceptable or not. What if, you know, what if it's not? I mean, hmm. you have to make the call, right? So it's just amazing how many companies, um, you know, they wing it. They 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 don't they don't put the work, or maybe they don't know how to put in the work to really document things, right? And that that hmm. uh, we want to give them a little bit of a taste for uh, what it involves uh, in, in in today's episode. Yeah, cool. Uh, very helpful. So to get started and going through what's going to be needed uh, quality standards they're kind of made up of different different documents different items different actions you can take i guess and there, there are a number of them from more basic to advanced so let's start at the bottom then and that's a golden sample right well that's the most basic and the most common and it is quite quite helpful you know it's basic but it's quite helpful so the manufacturer is going to uh, prepare, a, you know, some pre-production samples or prototypes, you know, that, depending on the kind of product it is, and they're going to keep some for themselves, send some to the customer, and the customer, you know, hopefully is going to say, yeah, okay, that I like it that way, confirmed, and this is going to be helpful for um, for the manufacturer, you know, to transfer that to, uh, you know, purchasing and and, and manufacturing to make sure that they get it right when they go into production and to guide their own inspectors. And sometimes that's that's the only thing that the buyers do. They, they accept 
a sample or a prototype and that's it and it's not enough and we'll, we'll get to that but mm -hmm. what we see is that in uh when the buyer is 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 um is purchasing textile products uh, apparel and home textile and things like that and footwear okay they often say well the most important is the sample okay it's just it's got to be like the sample especially retailers right importers tend to be a bit more professional at that but the retailers often say hey i just want to receive the same as this like don't make my, my life more complicated right just make the same as this <laughs> and and yes if the samples are are you know are there and the manufacturer has the right samples of course it's going to guide them they're going to make sure that you know oh this um uh, whatever the fabric has to be exactly like this the same uh same color and same touch and feel and so on and uh, the you know the the yarn has to be uh dyed to match and it's got to be this kind of uh whatever double stitch uh seams and and so on and it's got to look like this right so it's going to guide them it's going to prevent mistakes all right now when it goes into um hard lines uh, hard goods uh, especially uh electrical electronic products and a lot of other hard goods same thing they will approve a uh, final sample a golden sample right and then maybe when uh, uh, maybe there's some tooling that has to be open maybe maybe the enclosure is made of uh, plastic injection molding or i don't know extruded aluminum or something like that then they're going to put together again some pre-production samples and they're going to say well this is production intent parts put together as a final product and mm. it's going to look the same in mass production please you know approve again and that's going to be pim you know stamped uh confirmed saved for later as the basis and yes of course again it it, it does a relatively good job guiding the, the the manufacturer's staff to do the right thing so if you don't even do that <laughs> If you don't even do that, you're really setting yourself up for failure. I mean, mm. this is a, a basic, basic, basic level of um, quality standard, right? Now, having said all that, it's not sufficient in a lot of cases. If you make a very simple product, your quality standard is kind of loose. Um, you know, you, you, you can accept a lot of little issues, and you're not too worried and you don't have time to, to document anything. All right, you know, go ahead with that. Still try to do the same for the for packaging, maybe some, you know, um, <laughs> also get a golden sample and everything and, and go ahead with that. However, if you really cannot tolerate mistakes, if there's a lot of money at stake, it's really, really, really not sufficient, right? Because production is not going to be exactly the same. And the manufacturers in Asia, you know, very fast, they're going to say, yeah, but of course, but everybody's, everybody knows mass production has some variability. It's not the same as the, the, the pre-production samples, right? Everybody knows that. Okay. Mm. But then what not everybody knows, if it's not documented, is what is the tolerance around it? You know, how, how, can it be very different or only a little different? And how to how to clarify that, right? And a lot of manufacturers, 
they like to remain in this kind of gray area where, well, you know, it's, it's not exactly the same as the sample. You, you, you knew that already, right? Uh, but mm. at least look, it's the same color. It's pretty close. <laughs> um, okay, but um, <laughs> it's it's twenty percent lighter, so you saved a lot of money on the materials, right? <laughs> mm. It's just an example, right? But if you buy, let's take uh, some cooking pots, and and you you see that the pots are ten percent lighter, fifteen percent lighter, twenty percent lighter than the approved sample, you're gonna say, wait a minute, somebody. Somebody made a lot of extra profit here by uh, saving on, on material consumption, but it's not as good as what I purchased. And then you're going to say, eh, usually it's acceptable, blah, blah, blah. You didn't tell us that there was a problem. Look, we can do a quick test and you see it holds up just nice. You're mm. going to say, yeah, but it doesn't really feel the same way. And that's not what I purchased. <laughs> and then you're going to be stuck in endless discussions, right? However, if you say, well, one pot, you know, this pot like, of this size, has to be uh, 320 grams or you know whatever, uh, and exactly this size plus or minus, you know, and then you give a plus or minus. Now that that becomes a proper specification, right? So as you document these things, it goes into a specification sheet where you make a list. So that's the second level, right? Uh, right. The first one is the golden sample, and the second one. Is a specification sheet. You uh, you take these criteria that are important for you, and and you define things. And uh, well, you know what you know, like the handle is in uh, that type of plastic, and the 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 metal part, you know, is, is whatever stainless steel, and it's got to be this thickness plus or minus x uh, millimeter, and uh, you know the the total. Uh, weight of the product is going to be this much plus or minus whatever three uh, percent, mm. and so and the capacity has to be exactly this much plus or minus something, right? and then you have specifications, and then the supplier knows uh, what what is expected, right? They know what kind of what amount of variation is allowed, um, and if 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 an inspector finds that you know there is a departure from specifications and some of the samples are out of tolerance they know there's an issue and then they can raise it to you and get an exception maybe if you feel mm. like that right and this is a living document right so totally. as as you continue on with the supplier for example if production has been underway and maybe you're going into another production run you're going to update this with information from that first run, such as, you know, maybe where common defects occurred or something like that? Oh, absolutely. You learn over time about the product and the kind of issues that can, that can pop up. And definitely, as you learn, you keep adding to that document. And over time, you keep requesting that the supplier confirms it little by little. Because if they don't confirm, yeah. they you know they're gonna say, oh well, you know, oh we didn't know, always oh, oh we missed that point, but uh, it really cannot be done with the process, you know, or or um, favorite excuse, you know, oh yeah, but the supplier says that da, 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 they cannot do it. Mm. Well, I don't care. I'm buying from you. You're the supplier. You're responsible and accountable for it. I sent it to you before, and here you can see uh, you signed it. 
and uh, you know on that date and yeah. that that criterion hasn't changed since then and i'm sorry you're responsible for that if production is not is outside of specifications i have the right to just refuse it so now let's talk about what to do but don't tell me that you didn't know right uh, because that's really um, the kind of discussion that uh, has to come up too often. So, mm. uh, as you said, if you if you can think of some common defects, you know, add them in, and maybe you've been active in that product category for a while, and you have some photos of uh, similar, you know, of, of defects on um, relatively similar products. Uh, you know, put some photos in there, even if it's photos of a defect on another product, it, it doesn't matter. You know, a scratch mark is a scratch mark, a dent or some blemishes or dents and blemishes and so on. It's better than nothing, right? Now, of course, if you have photos on the exact product in that exact color, um, it is better, right? And then try to quantify them as much as possible. Like, for example, Let's take a really tricky kind of defect that comes up on, on some metal products. Uh, when there's plating, you know, um, especially electroplating, but also PVD plating, there can be blemishes when it comes out, right? The surface is not exactly perfect and it's sort of a different color on the surface. And if the plated material is, I don't know, let's say all black, the blemishes might not be very visible. Now, mm. if they are in, for example, um, rose gold, yeah, some, some kind of uh, pinky gold color, and the, the same kind of blemishes that would be mostly okay, pretty much, you know, like near invisible on the, on the black surface were suddenly very visible, right? Uh, we'll get to that in, uh, in one of the next uh, levels that we're going to talk about. Yeah. But... If you have photos of these same blemishes on the black surface, but suddenly you buy the same product in rose gold, well, it's not going to be great, right? You need to uh, <laughs> you need to update your photos and 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 do more than that, as we're going right. to talk about uh, just after this section. So try to add some of the common defects in there. T- try to clarify what are the main materials. And, and components, and maybe if it's components, maybe electrical components, you know, what are the markings and how to identify these, the proper components, uh, you know, uh, that, that are used. Um, mm. If there are drawings, CAD drawings, uh, it's very common to, ha- to uh, export the drawing in two dimensions with indication of the dimensions with plus or minus type of tolerance. Mm-hmm. If there are a lot of tolerances, it's very good to indicate which ones are critical to quality, okay? Which ones really have to be complied with in priority, let's say this way, and, and, and obviously have to be inspected in priority. And also the CMF data, color, material, and finishing, right? So, for example, a black painted mat, right, or, or something like that. So it's very clear what it's supposed to look like, what the surface is supposed to, uh, to, to look like. And this is very, very uh, useful for everybody. 
as guidance to the manufacturer, as guidance to the inspectors, etc. Mm. If there's a user manual, if you know some packaging is uh, is is is, um, is confirmed, and so on and so forth, all of that is useful. If there are claims on the packaging about you know some properties of the product, if you promise it to customers, obviously it's part of the, the specifications automatically, right? Now, if you have this kind of document. And by the way, on, on, on the blog, we uh, we have a template that we give away in a word template. I think we can um, we, we can link to it. But once you have that kind of document, for best results, if for example you work with a, a Chinese or a Taiwan uh, or or a, a Vietnamese company that's going to manufacture it, maybe get get it translated into into Chinese, and maybe even send someone to the manufacturer to make sure that they get it, you know, someone who explains it to them and notes any feedback that they have, any maybe uncertainties, any risk that they see, uh, that that can be very useful to maybe take preventive actions and to really make sure that you are aligned and that they, they confirm and commit to it. Now, if they confirm and commit to it, well, get them to sign it, get them to um, to put their company job on it. And if you have that's really how they they're going to take it very seriously right and if you have a um a contract a manufacturing contract with with them or well, that manufacturing contract should mention that you know the, the the specifications or whatever performance criteria you know it's called in a in a variety of different ways but in essence it should mention that there is a specification sheet and that once it's uh, confirmed by both parties, it's an appendix of the manufacturing agreement. Mm. And then all of the, um, the related terms of the contract, such as, you know, what happens if there's more than 3% defective, et cetera, et cetera, it will, will apply and will be based on, on that standard is extremely important. Right. Mm. So that that's for the, the spec sheet. If you can, I talked about the materials. is is good in certain cases to um, to go a little bit deeper and sort of get the specifications of the materials themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Any chemical products, you know, what was the MSDS sheet? Oh, there's a battery. Okay, is there a specification sheet of the battery? If there's no specification sheet, well, either it's hidden from you. Uh, because they don't want you to know where the, manuf- where the, the battery is made uh, or, or it's made by a pretty crappy manufacturer. I'm right. sorry to say that, but if there's no spec sheet that's documented, it's a cheap supplier and you might well run into issues, right? So mm-hmm. at, the, at the sourcing stage, you got to go out and ask for the right uh, right questions here. Okay, then hmm. next level up. As I mentioned, in the specification sheet, you should try to make a list of the most common defects. And when that makes sense, try to show some photos, right? Now, what comes out on a photo is very different from what comes out on a physical sample. So in in some factories that have some repeated issues, when they're checked a bunch of products from their production, put aside a bunch of defectives, made sure everybody was aligned, you know, what is acceptable, what is not acceptable. 
we put shelves <laughs> next to the right people in the factory. And here's, you know, uh, two or three samples of each of the, I don't know, 10 or 20 most common kinds of defects that happen on this production. And you have it in, your, you know, in front of you. Refer to it once a day. Use it to train the new inspectors. Use it to train the operators also so that they can see when there's one of these defects. Mm. It's right there, right? It, it's, uh, it's a defect board or a defect library or wh whatever you call it, right? Mm -hmm. That is really nice to, to guide them. Really, really nice. Again, they can, they can take it in their hands. They can look at it under the same color. They can compare. If they're not sure, they will take a piece from, you know, uh, from production. They're like, eh, this one, I'm not really sure. Is it okay or not okay? And they're going to bring it and, and, um, and, and, and say, well, it's, you know, it's about as bad as this one, which they say is a, is a minor defect. Okay. So it's a minor defect. Right. And, um, this extra clarity is so, 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 um, so beneficial to everybody. Now, this is something that makes sense more for hard goods, of course. When it comes to uh, textile-based products, it's, it's not as useful. Okay. Next level up, <laughs> number four, is the, the boundary samples or limit samples. So if you have, as I said, Maybe you have, there's a common defect that comes up. And then you have five examples of defectives. Well, again, what's the tolerance? Where does it become not good versus good, right? Mm. So if you have actually some samples, you put them aside. This is not perfect, but it's still acceptable. And this one is slightly worse and is not acceptable. Okay, we have these two, you know, G and NG, whatever, good, not good, or well, OK and NG usually, right? Um, and they, they all get it in the factories. And they have these two, then they can really refer to it and say, well, okay, this is, is it close to this one or this one? Then I know if it's OK or not good. Same thing with colors. This is very, very useful for colors, right? When you say, well... I want it to be that shade of, 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 of gray. But then there's always going to be a little bit of variation when they go into production and they have to do the mix every, you know, again and everything. So you have to give them maybe a, um, a, you know, two boundaries, two limits. Maybe one is a little bit lighter, one is a little bit, uh, a little bit darker. Mm. Or, you know, one is a little bit more gray and a little bit less or a little bit red and a little bit less red or, or something like that. And then they will know, okay, am I within the boundary or outside of the boundary? I mean, when you look at automotive parts, for example, this is such a basic, you know, mm. when color is important, you, you pretty much always have that. But when you look at consumer goods, ouch. <laughs> Very often there's a golden, a golden sample, an approved sample. And that approved sample is all they have. And they're gonna have a little, little color shading and a little variation, mm. right? And then somebody has to make the call: is this okay or not? <laughs> and when color is very important, what I see often is that 
they try to identify who has a really good eye for color and sort of a good judgment. And they will send that person to the factory and and, and check it because it, it cannot really be seen on photos. That's really a problem, right? Mm. So they have to have someone with a good judgment, a good eye, and make sure that that person goes to the factory. And still, in some cases, that person is going to be like, hey, you know, I don't know. And then they're going to have they're going to want to have that person on the call. Yeah, but what do you mean? A bit more, what? It's a bit more, um, a bit more blue than, than, than it should, but not that much, you know. Do you think it's a problem? Uh, you know, so it goes back to subjective, uh, subjective judgments. And once in a while, people are not very happy. They say, well, you know, actually, if I knew, I would not have accepted that. But I couldn't be there. I couldn't see it. And um, if, People told me that it was kind of okay, and I said okay, but I'm not happy, right? So that there are limitations to that. If you have boundary samples, you do a good job of that preventively before production, then that's nice, right? That's nice. And and that's that's just from you know quality point of view. But if you think about the extra work that you're going to avoid as well, you know, you've got that work and potentially affecting your lead times uh, negatively you know th- this is so important isn't it oh yeah well that if you don't want to um, to send samples by by fedex uh, and and have you know the right decision maker have to rush rush back to the office to mm. to have a look at it and give a confirmed decision very fast and so on and in some cases that that person will not be sure and will maybe want to double check with a key customer. Then maybe that's another week. Again, uh, wasted, right? But mm. if everybody aligns in a supply chain in advance, then the manufacturer will already know what the, the customer can accept or cannot accept. And they can um, they can make their call right away. I mean, this, yeah. is, uh, this is also, yeah, a big... Um, Big time saver, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so that that's the the boundary samples. Good. Okay. I like the interplay between you know physical samples that somebody's going to touch, hold, look at, mm-hmm. and what's written down and is sort of set in stone as well. It's a clever way to align everybody and to make sure everybody's got what they need when we're dealing with physical samples. What sort of, because I mean, these these are sort of tangible products, right? And they've got to be kept securely, kept in the right conditions, perhaps. Uh, you're better to talk about this than, than me. So, I mean, what sort of best practices oh, can we adopt to, to, keep them, to keep them in, you know, good condition and whatever? Well, they got, colors are going are gonna to fade, right? Especially if they get a lot of sunlight. But even without that, over time... Uh, depending on the material and so on and so forth, it will fade, you know, and people are going to touch the samples. People sometimes will have a doubt, sort of maybe undo the sample, maybe cut it in half or something, mm-hmm. right? People will touch it with dirty hands. <laughs> so keep them in clear bags uh, and and get some new ones approved. So if you have ongoing productions, it's not that much work to take some good ones from a current production and say, yeah, this, this is good, uh, or, you know, approved again. Let's throw away the old ones and let's make sure everybody has the, the new ones as, um, as approved samples. Boom, 
you know, simple. Yeah. So again, preventive measure to avoid <laughs> approving something that actually should not be approved just because the, the sample is no longer fit for its purpose and make sure everybody has their set of samples. And that might go deep into the supply chain. You know, for example, if there are uh, metal parts that need to be cast and uh, machined and plated and everything, well, um, you know, at least the, the plating company, we need to have one and then the, the, the metal supplier, we need to have one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the inspection uh, agency, et cetera, et cetera. And you, um, you need to make sure that they interpret the samples correctly also. All right. So um, yeah. like for this, 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 this criteria, you know, refer to the sample. Uh, for this, this, this criteria, this is exactly what, you know, uh, maybe something can be documented properly. For example, for the blemishes, well, you get a count, you know, maybe the dots within, I don't know, within a square inch, uh, maximum, you know, up to whatever, three dots that are no bigger than uh, 0.3 mm in diameter or something like that, you know. And if it's bigger than that, then it is counted as a defect. In some cases, it's possible to come out with some 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 sort of formula. And in other cases, you really want to refer to uh, to defect samples and or defect photos. Again, def- some certain types of defects would be okay on photos, mm. perfectly okay, but others will need samples for proper illustration. Right? And with each manufacturer, you need to make sure you identify, okay, this person knows exactly what we mean, right? And maybe maybe the project manager or the merchandiser has to be trained on that because they need to convey the meaning, you know, they need to say, okay, the buyer say that, the buyer say that, and so on. So they need to be aware of what's going on. And maybe a couple of um, couple of people in the quality departments, and that's really really important, right? And mm. and and the last point, the last point, yeah, is that we've seen a lot of cases where the buyer says, hey, "This is no good. I find that," and then the manufacturer says, "Oh, but I I check it. I think I check it exactly the same way as you, but I find something a bit different, you know." And then the the manufacturer will do a uh, an inspection. Will write it down on on their uh, their check sheet and so on, and say, well, look, you know, this is mostly intolerance, and they will they will send a badge to the buyer, and the buyer will do their own inspection and will find, yeah, you know, pretty much everything is below tolerance or something like that, or half of it. How how is it possible? Are you guys cheating or you know, uh, pencil whipping as as they say, just uh, okay, 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 uh, without actually checking it. <laughs> And in a lot of cases, it's just a matter of a different measurement system that is not aligned. So again, the quality standard is all about aligning the expectations, the, the way to measure and test, the way to interpret the, the results, and so on and so forth. And in some cases, you have to do what they call a, a GRNR, a gauge repeatability and reproducibility study. And to, just to, to make it very, very simple, um, when you make a batch of products, there's going to be a certain variation between them anyway, due to the manufacturing process. 
okay? Or the, you know, maybe from different manufacturing processes altogether, right? So the manufacturing processes lead to some variation already. And then you have people do, you know, taking measurements, doing tests on these products and they themselves introduce extra variation. And in some cases, they have a bias. The way they test it, they measure it, you know, gives them some findings that are, you know, how to say, consistently maybe too high, too low, too, too good, too bad, whatever, right? And, and then they send it to another party that's going to check it in their own way. Mm. And if they're not aligned, and if they, each one has a different bias, an opposite bias, you know, they will feel that the other one is cheating them, is, 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 is lying to them. How come they say everything's bad? I, I, you know, I checked and I, I, you see how I check and everything and everything is good, right? So I'm not going to go into this in, in depth here, but um, you know, you, you got to look at this variation that is introduced by the measurement system. You need to look at accuracy issues, including the possibility of a bias, as I mentioned. You need to mm. look for uh, precision issues. Okay, there are several ways to do this. It's very well documented. It's very, uh, very common. We don't see it very often, unfortunately. But it's again, you, um, if you identify, you know, hopefully there's people in your quality team who are used to. Um, used to that, maybe they can identify, well, here, there's a lot of uh, potential for extra variation simply from the measurement and inspection process. So we Mm. need to do something extra, take some preventive actions again to make sure we are aligned, right? So I leave it at that because otherwise it gets a little bit complicated. Sure. Yeah, but all about alignment. So really, really helpful and making sure that we've got everything ready to go in advance that's going to completely dispel all of those gray areas and any any future arguments, as well as saving so much time, money, effort. And so you've gone through, you know, the different levels of quality standard from golden sample through to your master specification sheet, you know, and, and then defect board and boundary samples which is really going to help people understand what's acceptable and what isn't really really great thank you hey cool thanks thanks everybody thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the sophie's group we're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in asia including inspections auditing new product development support contract manufacturing 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share, because it will really help others discover us too.